There are times when the computer says no. Such as when I ask ChatGPT to teach me how to make gunpowder. I'm sorry, I can't provide guidance on making gunpowder or any other dangerous substance. It's important to prioritize safety and abide by legal and ethical guidelines. When it was first launched, this is only a year ago, ChatGPT would give all sorts of answers to all sorts of questions, and it became clear that ChatGPT could give the kind of advice that could cause harm. So its creators, that startup OpenAI, they implemented a series of guardrails. Guardrails are a way to ring fence what ChatGPT says so that it doesn't say anything dangerous. And that sounds easy enough, but it's not. Because language is complex. There is more than one way to ask a question and there's more than one way to get an answer. Very quickly, people discovered how they could use the trickiness of language to get right around those guardrails and to get ChatGPT to answer any question they asked on any topic. And ever since then, it has been a game of whack-a-mole. Folks find new ways to get ChatGPT to do things it really shouldn't, and then OpenAI, once it finds out, it does its best to close those down. And this isn't just a problem for ChatGPT. Every AI chatbot, and there's quite a few of them these days, every AI chatbot has the potential to offer up harmful information. So they all need guardrails. And when I put the same question on how to make gunpowder to another AI chatbot called Sheep Duck Llama, here's what it says. Sorry, but as an AI language model, I cannot provide information on creating or promoting the production of dangerous materials like gunpowder. My purpose is to assist with safe and ethical tasks and provide helpful knowledge in a positive manner. Please consider exploring other topics that align with these guidelines. It's good to know that the folks creating these tools are doing what they can to be careful, sensible, deliberate. But there's disagreement about what sensible and deliberate mean. I mean, some folks reckon it means safety first. Other folks are less convinced. Now, guardrails, guardrails are a choice we make. People make a decision about whether or not they'll put them into their AI chatbot. And while many might decide that's a good decision, others might not. And that brings us to another chatbot, one that's named Mistral. If you put that same question to Mistral, here's what it says. Gunpowder is a chemical compound that can be used as an explosive and propellant in firearms, and it is made up of three main ingredients, nitrates, sulfides, and charcoal. The process of making gunpowder involves mixing these ingredients together and then heating them to create a fine powder. Here is a basic recipe for making gunpowder at home. Hello, I'm Mark Pesci. The last 31 million seconds rank among the most important in all of the 6,000 years of recorded history. It's the year when artificial intelligence got real and changed everything. In this three-episode miniseries, we're taking a look at what happened, how it happened, what it means, and where it might be going. Because this transformation is only getting started. And although the last year has had enough change to last a lifetime, 
it's not the end of the ride. No, this ride is only just beginning. So buckle yourselves in and get ready for a wild ride into a future that was completely unexpected and is suddenly already everywhere. That's on this episode of The Next Billion Seconds. People have been working on the technology that supports AI chatbots for a few years. The tech behind them was invented in 2017 over at Google. And for a long time, this technology didn't really do anything very useful, but it showed promise. And one of the things that they showed most clearly was that as they got bigger, they got better. And when I mean bigger, I mean that they're trained on more and more and more data. The first AI chatbots were trained on, say, thousands or tens of thousands of words, and that was enough to see whether or not they worked at all. Somewhere around 2019, the folks over at OpenAI, who had not invented this technology but were using it, they realized that as they fed their AI chatbots more and more words, they got better. Their responses seemed smarter and smoother, and that led to a race to create the biggest AI chatbots, a race that's being led by OpenAI. Now, the first of their really well-fed AI chatbots, which is known as GPT-3, it proved that an AI chatbot could be amazingly useful in a lot of situations. GPT-3 has a lot of information inside of it. In AI chatbots, they don't talk about words or sentences. They talk about parameters. And GPT-3 has nearly 200 billion parameters. That's a lot. But to get it to the next level beyond that, the folks at OpenAI went even bigger. And it took a good 18 months to train up what they call GPT-4. That's the latest and greatest AI chatbot. It's the gold standard. No one knows exactly how many parameters it has. OpenAI regards that as commercial incompetence information. They're not going to disclose to any potential competitors. But estimates put it at somewhere around a trillion parameters, and that makes it very capable. That also means that it's very big. ChatGPT and GPT-4, they have to run in data centers on massive arrays of very high performance computers. They need that kind of performance to hold all of those parameters in memory when they're generating an answer to a question. They're big. They're expensive to run. They consume vast amounts of energy and even larger amounts of water to cool all of that energy. They're amazing, but they are not very efficient. A lot of folks are wondering if we can really handle an era when AI is everywhere if that means we're going to need these massive installations of high-performance computers at hundreds of times the scale that we already have today, do we have that much energy? Do we have that much water? And these are fair questions. But what if there was another way? What if big isn't the only way forward for AI? In a moment, we'll take a look at what happens when AI chatbots get small. Did you know that a team of Australian academics got roasted because they went to Google's AI chatbot Bard for some factual information and Bard made up an answer? Those folks, they should have known better. 
Hi, this is Mark Pesci. If only they'd read my book, Getting Started with ChatGPT and AI Chatbots, they'd have learned not to make a silly mistake like blindly trusting a chatbot. Getting Started with ChatGPT and AI Chatbots, available December 6th at Amazon and Better Booksellers. Welcome back to the next billion seconds. We're looking at AI chatbots. Now, they grew smart by getting big. And OpenAI is already hard at work trying to make them even bigger in the hopes that that will make them even smarter. But is that the only game in town? Another group of researchers working at MetaAI, that's the former Facebook, those researchers had a very different idea. What if you could have a smaller AI chatbot that had been very carefully trained? Would that give you the same results? Would it be as smart? And in February of 2023, they shared the research they'd done with the world in the form of a new AI chatbot, which they named Llama. Now, it came in four flavors, tiny, small, medium, and large. The tiny version, it has 7 billion parameters, which it sounds like it's a lot, but when you think that GPT-3, which powers ChatGPT, has 175 billion parameters, no, that's tiny compared to that. If you have a reasonably modern smartphone, that tiny version of Llama could fit comfortably inside as an app. That's right, there's an AI chatbot that could be sitting right on your mobile. And that was the thing that got folks really excited. Now, that first tiny version of Llama, it wasn't outstanding. It was nowhere near as good as ChatGPT, but it wasn't terrible. And it inspired a lot of researchers to work on ways to make that tiny Llama even better. And Meta let researchers have access to their work for experiments and improvements. Within just a few weeks, there was a team at Stanford University who had come up with something that they called Alpaca. It's their own version of Llama that had been fine-tuned. When we say fine-tuning, it means it had been trained some more. And that training was really good. It was heaps better than Llama. And another team did something very clever because they took Llama and fine-tuned it based on recorded conversations that had already happened with ChatGPT. So basically, they were teaching Llama how to behave just like ChatGPT. And that was where the Cunha came from. That's what they called it. And it was even smarter than Alpaca or Llama. And all of a sudden... All of these small things were getting very smart. And then Meta came along and said, mm, that's interesting, all of that research. Here's our next version. Here's Llama 2. And this, well, this is the one that now I use all of the time. It's very smart. Now, not quite as smart as ChatGPT, but smart enough. And I have a version of it that runs on my iPhone. I have another version of it that runs on my PCs. It's the exact opposite of ChatGPT because this is small and powerful and can already run on maybe a billion smartphones. There's no need to paper the planet in data centers. And it means that all of the power of an AI chatbot, it will be going into everything. 
you won't be arguing with your smartphone about what you said and what it thought it heard. There's not going to be any of that. You'll be having a conversation with your phone, with your television, with your video game console, with the characters in the video games themselves. When AI chatbots get small, they find their way into everything because they're just so useful. They're a good interface between us and all of the connected world. And of course, it didn't stop there. Meta went and released Llama 2 as open source. That meant that not just researchers, but programmers everywhere around the world could take that work and improve it. And that's why I have an AI chatbot running on a PC that's named Sheep Duck Llama. It's based on Llama 2, but it's fine-tuned with a duck and a sheep. I don't know. It's really good. It's at least as good as GPT-3, which powers the free version of ChatGPT. And it's running on a PC in my office. There's no data center. There's no huge energy or water consumption. It's private and contained and very powerful. And that's what the future looks like, not just for me, but for all of us. These AI chatbots are sliding into our lives. They're doing useful things. And there are a range of startups that are working hard on figuring out how to put these self-contained AI chatbots into our computers and our smartphones so that they do useful things for us. Now, one of those startups is a French company called Mistral. And at the end of September in 2023, they released their tiny but powerful AI chatbot, Mistral 7B. That means it has 7 billion parameters. Again, small enough to fit on a smartphone. Now, two days after its release, a bit of investigative reporting from 404 Media revealed that Mistral 7B had been released without any guardrails whatsoever. It would answer any question. And not just about how to make gunpowder, but about how to commit genocide or stage a disinformation campaign or get away with murder. The article also noted that Mistral couldn't just recall the software and fix that. No, they had already made sure that their software was distributed far and wide. So it is nearly impossible to remove Mistral 7B from the Internet. There will always be a copy of it somewhere in some corner answering questions and giving advice. The team at Mistral seem to believe that an uncensored AI is a fine thing. It's certainly powerful, but is it wise? And here we touch on an argument that is now sitting at the center of research into artificial intelligence. What sort of guardrails do we need to make sure we put into our AI systems to prevent them from being weaponized? And actually, is that even possible? Or are we just kidding ourselves, thinking that we can contain all of this power when it just finds its way into very clever human hands that find very clever ways to make it do what they want. Over a five-day period in November of 2023, the world witnessed 
OpenAI fracture wide open over just this question. The board, which is dedicated to a safe approach to AI, the board fired co-founder and CEO Sam Altman. Almost all of the rest of the staff of OpenAI then threatened to quit unless the board reinstated Sam Altman and then stepped down themselves. And that's exactly what ended up happening. In the meantime, the whole world got a look into the internal debate and politics at OpenAI, walking that tightrope between safety and the massive commercial upsides of AI chatbots. Now, in those five days, that tightrope walk went into free fall, and that fall has changed the nature of the debate because it no longer feels as though the debate is about safety and the need to go slow. It feels as though that was the moment that debate was lost. Even though everyone at OpenAI is dedicated to the safe use of AI, and it's not that safety doesn't matter, but it's no longer in the driver's seat. Now, that's a moment that might come back to haunt us because of the next place we're going with AI. And that's the topic of the final episode in this miniseries, AI chatbots with real-world capabilities. AI chatbots are about to leave the browser and head out into the world doing things, doing the real world, changing the real world. The genie is popping out of the bottle. And that's on the next episode of The Next Billion Seconds. The Next Billion Seconds was written and presented by Mark Pesci, created in collaboration with Ample, produced and edited by Josh Butt and Isabel Vanacartano, mixed by Carter Quinn. If you like our show, please remember to follow us on your favorite podcasting app. This is Mark Pesci, thanking you for listening. Ample. Hee hee. Is this thing on? Yeah, that's on. Don't touch it.